He's a sulky, over-funky, kinda hunky superhero. A two-fisted and electrically transistored superhero. An exotically neurotic and aquatic superhero. The Marvel superheroes have arrived. Hello and welcome to Marvel Vision, a Marvel Studios TV show podcast brought to you by Cinema Sangha. My name is Devin Franchi. I'm one of the hosts of this program. Joining me as he traditionally does... My name is Dirk Faraci, and my teeth turned into fangs, my nails into claws, and I near, nearly dropped the Torah when my hands turned into paws. Oh, no boy, it's the werewolf bar mitzvah. Spooky scary. Uh, you're, doing, you're doing it for the spooky month, huh? Yep. Yeah, I mean, everybody gets into scary stuff for October. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, you know, it gets a little it, annoying. <laughs> it really... Yeah. Like honestly, like like get back to me when you're watching scary stuff in May, which I do. You know? No, I'm saying you do. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah I, I get it. Yeah. Um, I just find the uh, the seasonal element a little bit goofy, exhausting. Um, it, well, it's also exhausting because people make it seem like it's their whole personality. When somebody tweeted, "Liking October is not a personality," that's <laughs> like, it's very true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, just, I see people have like I've mapped out every day what I'm going to watch for the month, and it's like, God, how do you have the energy to do that? <laughs> like, what if on on October 20th you're like, I just don't feel like watching a horror movie today? What then? I don't get it. I don't get it. Does not does not make any sense to me. Yeah. Um, I got a package from you this week. You did. Yeah, this is the wrong podcast to talk about it, unfortunately, but I will talk about it anyway. Uh, you sent me a little B2 Emo droid toy from Andor. Yes. Uh, it's very cute. I'm not sure if I'm going to take it out of the package or not. Oh, no? Yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking about it. I, I, it's not like uh, um, the premise is not that I don't want to like ruin it or whatever, but I, I like the package. Like I like the way well, it looks. You know what I mean? So, keep it in the package. Like I have my... George Lucas and Stormtrooper disguise uh, black series figure on my desk. That's in the package. But my Dave Filoni is out of the package. Okay. So I don't really, you know, it's like a, Depends. a case by yeah, case by case basis, I think. Yeah, that's fine. It's yours to do with as you please. <sighs> Thank you. I appreciate I appreciate that. I appreciate that. How's how's uh how are things by you? Things are okay. How about you? You know, it's going on it's going, you know, it's going. How's it's doing how's the tum tum yeah yeah i had a stomach bug um i was supposed to go see rrr on imax on the yep. tcl chinese imax i got a stomach bug that day and i was wiped out like it was not just i'm mean, like it was not like um it wasn't like a tremendous amount of like toilet time it was like a lot of bad cramping and exhaustion yeah so it was like shitty. It was like really crummy. It was just like, yeah. you know, and so I had to, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't go to the show, which then I see people tweeting, this was the best experience of my whole life. And I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. The one all, day all, I get it. What? I saw people tweeting out videos from the show and that made me think like this, I would hate every minute of this. I think that you go to that in that theater, in that environment, knowing what you're getting. It's like going to Rocky Horror Picture Show and being annoyed that people are doing lines. You know what I mean? Like, is it? That's, that's the, yeah, I think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. I I don't think you go to a film festival and be like, hey, we're going to all jump in front of the screen and dance and everybody take out your cameras and 
Like I came to see a movie, not to see you, you know? Yeah, I guess. I, again, I think there's an experiential celebratory aspect to this particular movie. I don't think that's every movie at Beyond Fest by any means. Um, I'm doing a bunch of movies at Beyond Fest this year. Uh, and I do not expect to see people dancing in front of the screen or having their cameras, their phone cameras out. Uh, it's, it, RRR is a very specific experience, I think. I think it's a very interactive kind of a thing. I think that in people who bought tickets to this, which sold out very quickly, I think they knew what they were getting into. Okay. They I bought their tickets. Like... They knew what they were getting into. I say let them crash. There you go. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, before we get to uh, any Marvel news, I, I want to follow up on a, a scoop I had that nobody cared about. Okay. My my Henry Cavill is appearing as Superman in Black Adam in the post credit scene. That scoop. No, nobody cared about it. It's just nobody gave a shit. In fact, I see today people on Reddit posting, do you think Henry Cavill will ever return as Superman? It's like, yes, motherfuckers, he is. <laughs> uh, I got some more information about this. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's not like specific. It's all behind the scenes stuff that I thought was kind of fascinating, which is that the reason he why- He didn't Henry- know he was doing it. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He got, he got bow-fingered. He bow-fingered. Uh, no, the reason why Henry Cavill has returned as Superman in Black Adam is because The Rock demanded it. Okay. Like he went hard full court press on Warner Brothers and made them go to Henry Cavill and they had to sign a new deal with Henry Cavill, including saying they were going to develop a new Superman movie. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it was all because The Rock insisted. It was his, he insisted. Because I guess he had seen enough people tweeting at him and saying to him they really wanted to see him with Henry Cavill. And his whole thing at Comic-Con when he said, like, well, we'll see who Superman is, and people booed him and stuff like that. I think he took that to heart. Yeah. And so when when Henry Cavill comes back, it's 100% an act of will by The Rock. (laughs) Well, (laughs) when, if... Black Adam doesn't do well. Warner Brothers is going to be very annoyed with The Rock. That's going to be my so annoyed because they have now locked themselves into a new Henry Cavill Superman movie. And like, yeah. so like the premise for them is maybe they were trying to decide, do we find a new Superman and go in a new direction? Do we new stuff, do something different? But now they can't, they now have this thing. So that's the story. And I, not only is Henry Cavill going to be in uh, Black Adam, my understanding is they're working on a Henry Cavill Superman movie. Yeah. Very exciting. There you go. I, I guess. I mean, it's funny. Um, between Henry Cavill returning and uh, Ben Affleck returning, yeah. it really is like the worst people in the world are getting everything they wanted. <laughs> um, which is like such a bummer. Uh, but like, I like these guys. Like, that's not even yeah. the thing. You know, like, I, yeah. I enjoyed these guys. And I do uh, believe that Cavill could be a very good Superman. I really, I like... And other things I've seen him in, I'm like, oh, he does have a personality. So, right. you know, it'd be nice to see him actually get to be Superman. It would be very cool. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that's 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 the news on, on that end. We have, do we have other news that is not. We do, uh, but before we get into that, I want to touch on, on, on some fun Henry, uh, Henry Cavill news. What's that? Is the ongoing rumor today on Reddit that uh, – him, Affleck, and Godot are all going to be in Flash because they're all in Los Angeles. Wow. Yes. Never mind the fact that two of them live in Los Angeles. 
but uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, Godot's. I wouldn't be surprised, but I don't think. Hey, these actors are all in Los Angeles right now. They must be making the Flash. Uh, maybe or maybe yeah. Ben Affleck lives in Los Angeles. Gal Gadot lives in Los Angeles, and Henry Cavill's in L.A. quite often. Crazy so, meetings and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised actually if all of them were in it, especially if they've got Cavill back locked down again. We paid for him. We're going to use him. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? Yeah. So and we know uh, Affleck's in it already. So right, we know Affleck's in. It. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty positive Gal Gadot's in it too. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, well, there you go. There you have it. Uh, we're going to start news with some sad news. Okay. Uh, Netflix has decided to cancel the Grendel series while it was in post-production. It will not wow. Air. Yes. So they shot it? They shot it. It was in post-production. Netflix is letting them shop it to other places. Wow. So, yep. That's wild. It breaks my heart. I guess it's not bit. that wild. This is like a post-canceling Batgirl world, right? Like where they spend a gazillion fucking dollars and we just cancel things. Yeah. Yeah, it's what we do now. So I'm very sad because I love Grendel. Grendel's yeah, like like one a, of my favorite comic series of all time. That's like a personal attack on you. Yeah, yeah. I'm very upset. Although I, I will say outside of, like, the one thing that had me worried about a Grendel TV show was like, oh, Netflix? <laughs> I was like, oh, they're going to mess it up. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if they can shop it somewhere else and what happens. Right. But uh, that is a bummer because... I'd like to see more people learn about Matt Wagner's wonderful creation. And that whole universe, it's an amazing universe he created over like 40 years that uh, really should be much more popular, in my opinion. Uh, Moving on to Marvel. Uh, Marvel's also canceled the Iron War show and turned it into a movie. Yeah, it's interesting. So Armor Wars, um, I always felt to me like maybe that was not a good idea for a TV show. I, Um, I... I it can feels, see the thought process of like, well, there's a lot of stuff going on. We're going to need like eight hours. And then I can also see a process where like they're work, figuring it out. And they're like, this should not be eight hours. Not just that. I mean, I can see that it being six hours makes sense to me, like in terms of like he has to stop a bunch of different guys. So like you can have like different pieces of it that way. Yeah. What seems really expensive to me is that all of these things are all CGI. Uh, and that seems super fucking expensive. And I think yes, if your show is called Armor Wars and you have like multiple episodes where there's nobody doing Armor War, I think people are going to get really upset. So when yes. you have a budget of a movie um, and uh, like a movie budget's a little bit more than a season budget of a TV show and it's only two hours, right? So yeah. you end up with this opportunity to do a lot more Armor Warring in your Armor Wars. And uh, yeah, I think it just makes more sense, frankly. Yeah, yeah. Like, I was really we'll blown see. away they were going to do an Armor Wars TV show because, again, all that shit is CGI. Nobody's wearing armor. Yeah. So that'd be more than they usually do for a TV budget for CGI. Yeah. I mean, like, it's a really amazing how much She-Hulk is in She-Hulk. But then when you realize it, like, she's not doing that much crazy shit. And, again, it's a show and called Armor Wars. It doesn't look great. But it's yeah. a show called Armor Wars. So you really would have to, yeah. like, have expect there to be wars. Yes. Yeah. Are you, you watching Lord of the Rings? And stuff. Uh, I was watching Lord of the Rings. You quit? I did. Did we talk about this already? No. Uh, this week's episode, they had a huge fucking battle. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, like you can really see the budget on that show. Like a, a big battle. It was actually excellent, this week's episode. Why'd you quit? Uh, boring as fuck. <laughs> did not care. Did not care about anything that was happening on that show. <laughs> 
Fair enough. <laughs> did not give a shit. Couldn't, didn't know who anybody was. Felt like the show wasn't interested in telling me who anybody was. And got real bored. Got real bored real fast. Fair enough. So that was the end of that. Same with the new Game of Thrones. Real bored real fast. Oh, wow. I disagree. That new Game of Thrones is incredible. I don't care who anybody is. I feel like the moment I started to figure out who everybody was, they jumped ahead 10 years. And I was like, well, that's fine. Goodbye. I'm out. I just did not care. I did not care who anyone was. I was uninterested. I respect that choice. Very boring. Very boring. Both shows look great. Both of them look very good. Very good looking shows. But I just did not care. Right. Uh, Moving on. uh, Blade is left without a director. Yeah. he. um, uh, Tariq has quit. Bounced right before production began. Yep, yep. But it's not just that they don't have a director. Um, so uh, Jeff they Snyder. The script. Yeah, no, Jeff it, Snyder reported that the script was horrible and uh, that it had two bad action sequences. That's it. All it had was two bad action sequences, which actually I think is not that crazy. In a 90 page back, script. In, but when you go back and watch like Iron Man, like there's not like a ton of action yeah. in that movie. No, there's um, two action scenes in that movie. But uh, these days I think you need more than two action scenes. And uh, Snyder's uh, scoop was that. A main problem was that Kevin Feige was just spread too thin. He could not supervise this production properly. And yeah. Mahershala Ali was very unhappy, so according again to this scoop. Yeah. So they're going back and doing a rewrite. Yes. Which I one, think apparently. I don't know what that means they're going to keep fucking shooting and then figure it out. I don't know. I don't know. The Iron Man 2 thing or if they're going to. Today there were rumors that, that production was being pushed back till next year. I mean, that would make the most sense. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. But uh, a lot of craziness going on at Marvel between Armor Wars and Blade. The Armor Wars doesn't feel like craziness. The Armor Wars feels like they figured out what to do with it because yes. they kept delaying it and like everybody thought it was canceled, canceled. And yeah. uh, that feels like a very positive – actually, these both feel like very positive things, frankly. The thing is that if you're making a Armor, movie – Armor Wars feels positive. Blade does not. No, I think it, it feels if, positive. If your director is walking away weeks before you start filming and your star is unhappy, there's problems. No, I don't think that's the case. I think that what we're seeing, if they are delaying production, which I think they should be doing, then that's good. They just figured out they had a movie that wasn't working. Then that it happens. Like you have a movie, it's not working. You haven't cracked it. You don't have the right director. The director's vision wasn't correct. Whatever. Like you have to just start over again and do it. Like that happens a lot in the movie business. Sure. Uh, so I don't think it's bad. I think it's good that they didn't just plow ahead with a not very good movie. because then if they have a not very good movie they go well you know we're marvel we can put this out and then we'll make the next one better but that's not what they're doing so i have to really respect that it's called captain marvel (laughs) well yeah that is (laughs) it's called one woman 1984 what it's called yeah yeah it's definitely that too do you think uh feige is spread too thin i would have to imagine he must be i can't imagine that he's not okay Right? I mean, he's very involved. Now, he has delegated to individual producers who yeah. are heavily involved. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I was reading a thing this weekend discussing his spread too thin, like an article yeah. that then went into a quote from Joss Whedon from when uh, they were doing press for Age of Ultron and Joss Whedon talking about how Kevin Feige – is very good at his job that he's put people in different positions to watch over things. And the only time, you know, you're in trouble is if Feige spends more than two days on your set. And, and just when went on to explain, like 
I realized as we were making Age of Ultron that Joss, that Kevin Feige had been on set for a week and I knew something was wrong. That's how I knew we were not doing things right. Well, yeah. So he's not like necessarily going to be on set a whole bunch. Um, you know, it is a big deal when he comes. Every time I've ever visited a Marvel set and Feige was there, it was a big deal. Um, so that's true. But I think the thing is that he spends a lot of his time in the development phase and there's a lot of development going on. Yes. That's becomes the thing is that there's a lot of development and there's like a sort of a hope that some, some areas will be a little bit more self-cleaning than others. Now here's the thing. He has really good people in really good places. I think Nate Moore, um, is really talented, really smart. Probably the guy that's going to take over when Feige leaves. If I had to guess, Nate Moore is the guy. He's the guy that produces the Black Panther movies. Um, and he's like the VP of production and development. And, uh, I, I, I could see Nate, uh, taking over, uh, from Feige, but I mean, it makes sense to me that this guy's got a lot on his plate because there's so much development. There's so many projects and some of these projects require a tremendous amount of attention from him, yep. like fantastic four and stuff, which is like early stages and requires a, a really an enormous amount of attention. Yeah. And then he's got Amon Villani, uh, texting him all the time, to all tell the time him what they're doing wrong. Exactly. So. <laughs> she, she, she will not leave him alone. It's, I think it's technically harassment. It might be. No, I'm sure he enjoys it. But we'll see. But uh, all right, so that's what's happening with Blade. 90 page scripts thrown out. No director. We'll see where that goes. I mean, again, I'm assuming that this that this movie is becoming uh, delayed. I'm assuming. Yeah, it, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, supposedly, Harrison Ford has been cast as uh, 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 Thunderbolt, General Thunderbolt. I so I don't understand this. I don't I really understand hope that not. It, yeah, I don't understand it at all. One, it seems crazy to have Harrison Ford take over somebody else's role. Yes. It seems nuts. Like, it just seems weird. I mean, he's done it before. No, I know. But, like, I I know he did the Jack Ryan thing, right? I get it. Yeah. Like, But, like, at this point when he's 90 years old, yeah. it seems weird to me. Like, if you're going to get Harrison Ford, maybe you want Harrison – because he doesn't have that many more movies in him, right? So no, you, want him, you want him like a Robert Redford, like a one and done. And then if you can have him pop up again, fine, but he doesn't yeah. need to. And also you're yeah. making him replace a guy who died. And like, I feel like yeah. he's going to die soon too. And and more to it, like it's okay if Thunderbolt Ross is gone, right? Like you can even use that in the movie like have him have died. And that's why they're naming the team after him. Or something. I mean, I a hundred percent think so. I think that's what I would do. I would a hundred percent have the team be named in his honor or it was a yeah. thing he got off the ground and, um, you know, and then this, it's the Thunderbolt initiative or whatever. Like I a hundred percent, like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't understand. Now that might just be wrong communication. Maybe Harrison Ford is playing the new Thunderbolt, not, not the guy, but like yeah. whoever that character the is going general. to be. Yeah. Yeah. But it just seems weird to me. Like it really just seems super strange. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I, I mean the, the ongoing theory I've seen online is, oh, they need him because they need him to become Red Hulk. And that's what the story is going to be. It's going to be Red Hulk. But then I like, would just. Like, if you're doing that, I can see like, oh, well, we need Thunderbolt Ross. But you don't. In my head, the first thing I had was like, well, this is when you bring in Thunderbolt Ross's son who has his entire life has been forced to, to live up to his father and he's never been able to do it. And he takes the Hulk serum and that's where things go bad. I don't know why he has to be a Ross at all to be Red Hulk. Nobody gives a shit about Red Hulk. <laughs> no, but nobody gives a shit. Yeah, I agree. But uh, I mean, I that's know. the thing. Like nobody, this is not like Red Hulk is not like, uh, is not, uh, such a fundamental, exciting character. 
there's too many hulks. There's too many hulks. There's quite a few hulks. There's as a fan of the Flash family, there's too many hulks. That's great. What a crazy thing to say. That's that sentence is the nuttiest sentence I've ever heard. Well, for one thing, I think the Flash family differentiates differentiates itself more. You know, I think that helps. Uh, there's a girl Hulk. There's a red Hulk. There's a gray Hulk. There's two green Hulks, right? There's a couple of green Hulks. There's Amadeus a, Chow and and Bruce. Well, those, I think they're but both none green. of those. I don't think that those don't usually run concurrently, right? Weren't they on a team? Of Maybe Hulk? Scar. Scar runs around the son of the Hulk. Hulkling. Hulkling. Although yeah. I don't know if he really counts as a part of the Hulk group. I don't know. I feel like he shouldn't. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. He's in a weird spot. But who knows? There's too I many. Guess we'll, and and no, they I just don't we'll, look different enough. You know? Right. Like the Flashes, they look different. They stand out. Except for Barry and Wally, who essentially have the same costume. which is And have problem. the same name. Barry and Wally? No, the Flash. Oh, yes. Yeah, that is a problem. <laughs> oh, also in Jay Garrick, also called the Flash. Yes. But he looks very different, so it's okay. And then you have Wally and Wallace. That's a problem. <laughs> Lord, I can't. <laughs> You're digging your own hole here. And then there's two kid flashes, or three kid flashes at this point now. Although Impulse is back to calling himself Impulse. And Irie has not revealed what her, her name is going to be yet. <laughs> oh, man. Now Linda has super speed. Good for her. Yeah. She, Wally fucked it into her, literally. Oh, boy. That's yeah. offensive. I'm not kidding. That's what happened in the comic. <laughs> I'm not kidding. She's, she's pregnant and got super speed from being pregnant. Wow. Yeah. So there you go. And uh, one last bit of news. Hugh Jackman's returning as Wolverine for Deadpool 3. I have never seen people on the internet so baffled by a news announcement as they were by this one. <laughs> I really enjoyed watching the bafflement. I really enjoyed – somebody had like a viral tweet that was like, are you telling me I cried at the end of Logan for nothing? Yes. Which is, first of all, yes, I am telling you that. Like I would have told you that when Logan came out. A movie I really like. Like I, I think you know Logan's what I mean? great, yeah. But like you're crying the death of a character who is not – who is a franchise character who's appeared in a bunch of different media and who will never go away. So yeah. like, yeah, you definitely are 100% crying for no reason. Um, the thing is that did the story work and did the emotion come to you from the story? Then that's all that matters. Like, it doesn't matter like that, that would you Jackman will never play Wolverine again. Yeah. Um, but I, I said, you know, I, it's funny that like people are so confused by a Wolverine appearing in a comedy fourth wall, comedy breaking move, uh, fourth wall breaking comedy movie that yeah. is coming from a separate universe and where Lo- where Logan in and of itself was actually potentially an alternate future anyway, and, and then it's I was still like, in the future at this, and point. I was and I was like, oh that 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 actually is confusing. That, that's, that's actually I mean, it is confusing. It is a, There's a lot going on there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Much, much like X Men continuity, the movies have gotten very confusing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but like clearly, like I kind of love the you know there was a a thing that Ryan Reynolds sent a couple of years ago. That they had pitched and tried to get going um, a Wolverine Deadpool road movie. Road trip. Yeah. And I kind of love the idea of them taking a road trip to Hollywood to Marvel Studios. Sort yeah. of like the Muppet movie. Oh, I, th- I was going to say like uh, Jane Sly and Bob Strike Back. Or, well, yeah, like that. But I'm going to go with the Muppet movie. I'm going to go with a good movie. And okay. 
I, I, I think that would be kind of fun. Like the movie is about Deadpool joining the Marvel universe. Okay. And then leaving. Yeah, I was Wolverine. thinking James Allen and Bob Strike Back because it would be Deadpool finds out that they've hired someone to play him in the Marvel universe and him and Wolverine go to beat them up. Which mm. is what James Allen and Bob Strike Back is. Yeah, no, I know. That's not a good movie. Um, the I Muppet mean, movie, is, movie. I'm saying what, what the story is. The Muppet movie is about a bunch of lovable characters who travel across the country and uh, go to Hollywood. Yeah. That's, I think, what you want to lovable characters traveling across country as opposed really? to the not not very likable characters beating people up. I don't know. <laughs> I think James and Bob were quite lovable back in the day. <laughs> Especially in the Clerks cartoon, they were very lovable. Did you see Clerks 3? No. I heard it's horrible. Why would I see that? Why well, would because, I kind of see that? I mean, I'm curious, right? Aren't you curious? No. Really? No. No. I find it sad. <laughs> like, like, I just find it very sad. It's like, I love Clerks. I think Clerks is a fantastic movie. I, you know, it, it, it hit at the moment, a perfect moment for me. And it was like, yes, this, this gets it. And now it's like, oh, this is just getting sadder and sadder. Like, you know, I've said it before. I'm not a guy who wants to see characters I like get old. Right. I'm not interested in seeing that, you know. That does not excite me when it's like, now they're old like me. And it's like, no, no, no. I'd like the characters to be the characters I knew them as. And then other people can enjoy them as well. That when they hit those moments, you know, I don't need old men being old and being like, oh, I used to be so much more. It's like, I know I me too. It's fine. <laughs> like, you know, I don't need it. It's fine. Right. So that's how I feel about that. Except for Superman. I want Superman to be a little older. I like it. I like Superman. I'm just curious, and a number of people I know who are pretty diehard Kevin Smith people have all agreed it was atrocious. It looked terrible. I mean, the last one was bad. The last Jane Bob movie was bad. I yeah, I, I mean, Clerks 2 was fucking terrible, too. Yeah, um, Clerks 2 was terrible. So I just, it's just very fascinating to me. Because I think the thing that is fascinating to me is that Smith has created a career for himself as a podcaster – and stuff like that. Like he's making his money there, right? So if yeah. he comes back for Clerks 3, the assumption, especially I think he paid for it himself and he's like touring it. Like he's not like getting it released by a studio. Yeah. A lot, it's a lot of work. And so the assumption is that he would have some a reason to do it. Like that it would feel to him like this was a movie he needed to make. Like a personal thing at this point. But I, that's what's fascinating about it to me. That, that it should be a very deeply personal thing and also just unbelievably terrible. Uh, I mean, I mean it might, maybe it is deeply personal. No, I'm saying that's the thing. Isn't that's the story that Randall has a heart attack and realizes he's only got so much time. He's got to make a movie. So he goes and makes Clerks, which Kevin Smith made Clerks well before he had a heart attack. <laughs> so it doesn't quite work out. But Yeah, but like the thematics of it work. Yeah. The thema- yeah. That's, this is also, I think, like his fourth we're going to make a movie movie. Right. And it's like, all right, dude, <laughs> Like, I get the idea of write what you know, but like maybe write something else. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a little tiring when it's always the same story. Let's go make a movie. We're making a movie. Okay. Do something else. But yeah, Is people that- are very excited. You Jackman. And then, uh, your boy Krasinski got people excited when he retweeted the Ryan Reynolds tweet about it. And said, is this our movie? And then people were like, oh my God, he's going to be Reed Richards in it. And he was making a joke that him and Ryan Reynolds have a movie coming out later this year. Mm. So, yes. I thought the video announcement was very well done. I thought it was great. It was very I funny. It was really well done. Um, yeah. I so, it was very funny. 
But I also think it was funny they had to do a follow-up video announcement where they were like, no, the events of Logan take place in the future from this movie. <laughs> Don't yes. worry about it. The events of Logan can yes. still happen. But then people uh, thought that James Mangold was very upset because he tweeted a shot of Lo- like the gif of Logan getting killed at the end of right. Logan. And then he had to be like, no, I'm not, I'm not upset. I don't own these characters. They can do whatever they want with them. It's their thing. I'm just proud of the movie we made. So funny. So, although I imagine there might be a part of Mangle that's like, oh, I thought I got to say the final thing with you. Uh, that's too bad. But but whatever. the thing is that as long as Hugh Jackman lives, you as know, long it's, as no other Hugh Jackman movie does well. <laughs> well, it's like Sean Connery coming back as James Bond. And like, what did they name that movie? Uh, you only die twice or whatever, right? Never say never again. Oh, never say never again. Okay. Yeah. yeah and so, uh, you know, never say never. Like, you Jackman says he's done with it, but like they're going to trot out enough fucking money. You Jackman will show up and do it because he wants yeah. to go do an- another touring company of the Music Man or whatever. Exactly. He's trying to do a sequel to Greatest Showman now. Uh, movie's a huge hit, so they should do a sequel yeah. to it. Fucking I just don't know what it would be. <laughs> like,. Where do you go? I don't know what's left to say of that story. I do think you could bring together the same cast and do a different movie, you know, like yeah, a different maybe. story. But because uh, I did enjoy that, I enjoyed The Great Showman. I thought it was a fun movie. Did you go see Bros this weekend? I did not. There's a good Greatest Showman joke in Bros. Is there? Billy Eichner's on a date, and uh, they have left like the movie theater, and they're walking home, and they get to Billy Eichner's apartment building. And uh, he says, well, much like the bearded lady in The Greatest Showman, this is me. <laughs> that was very fucking funny. Really, really fucking love that. that is a uh, good joke. It's a very funny movie, bros. I want to see it. I just I just did not have the interest in going to the theater this weekend. Oh, boy. He's not um, out there supporting. No, I'm, I guess I'm a homophobic freak. Uh, it's a very funny movie. It, it was really it, nice. Well, the, here's the thing. I don't. I was gonna say it looks very funny. The one problem is I don't think that the commercials and trailer for it are good at all. I don't think they look funny. The only thing that makes me think it's gonna be funny is I think Billy Eichner is very funny. I think everyone that's in it is very funny. So I'm like, I'm sure it's funny, but these trailers are not selling it well. Yeah, I don't think that the marketing's been so great, but it's super funny. And I'm gonna tell you something. It was really nice being in a not packed, but like a movie theater with some people in it watching a movie I'd never seen before. And all of us laughing together. It was like kind yeah. of a wild experience. It felt like, I mean, it really felt like coming out the other side of a war or something like that. Like it was like very wild. What was the last comedy that came out in a theater? I, like I'm trying to think like what less like good night. There's been a couple, ago? but it's been like a minute since it's been a really good comedy in a movie. Theater. I don't think there's been a comedy since COVID. That's hit theaters. I think that you might be right about that. That I think might be true. So it's That's been, crazy. it might have been like two or three years. I mean, there might have been like there's like dramedies here. I mean, now. there's like, like Lost Book City Smart. of D, but that's like an action comedy. I mean, like just a straight comedy comedy. Right. You know? And like, yeah, Book Smart, which is a dramedy. But um, that was pre COVID. But I'm saying like, those, like there's been like yeah. some over the, in the last five years, but like there's not been, this is like in the bold tradition of the Apatow movies. Yeah, and I really, funny. I'm not kidding when I say I think like Game Night, either Game Night or Blockers might have been the last like comedy comedy to come out in theaters. And I love both those movies. I'm a big comedy guy. So. Yeah, it could be. It could very well be. Yeah. No more but sitcoms, is, no more comedies. Rose is just a, a – well, this, you know, sitcoms are coming back. Are they? Yeah, apparently Ghosts on CBS, a big hit. 
I saw that they did a fun little uh, advertising thing for that where they played it, the premiere in theaters, but nobody was allowed to go. It was only for ghosts. There I you thought go. that That's was cute. funny. That's yeah. cute. I would have snuck in. Fuck them. <laughs> they don't tell me what to do. Oh, there you go. Yeah, Fuck I guess, you. Yeah, I guess ghost is a big hit. I would have killed myself in the theater so I could watch the show. <laughs> now I have one. <laughs> you drove me to this, ghosts. I needed to see the season two premiere of hit CBS comedy ghosts. And that's why I'm putting a bullet in my brain. <laughs> what other ones? Are I can't think of any other. There's a couple. I mean, Abbott elementary just made a, a yeah. cleaned up at the Emmys. Terrific, yeah. terrific comedy. Um, uh, there's a couple, uh, you know, what are we doing? The shadows. Yes, that is, that is a very, very funny. Um, Reservation Dogs, I would not count as one. No. Um, do you know, I, I watched the first it's episode. It's Always Sunny. That's definitely one. It's right? Always Sunny. I watched the first episode of Reboot. I like that. I've been watching that. I like that. I only watched first episode. I enjoyed it. So, yeah. and the I cast is great. That. Great cast. I, I'm i a big Paul Reiser fan from way back in the day. So, like, not Aliens, Diner. I love Diner. It's a Paul Reiser renaissance these days. It, I guess so. Because he was in The Boys, too. Yeah, he was in The Boys, and then he was in something. Oh, he was in, uh, what was the name of the show? Hollyoaks or Red Oaks? I can't remember what it was called, but I watched that too, and he was very good in that. Never never heard of it. It was an Amazon Prime show. That's why um, I never heard of it. There you go. But I watched that. Yeah. I've been watching Welcome to Wrexham as well, which is very good. Oh, and Kinda, Players. Everyone should watch Players on Paramount Plus, by the way. You know, that I, is I need to do that. In the, um, I can't watch Welcome to Wrexham. No. No, I can't watch the real world Ted Lasso. I just can't do it. I can't. I, it, it can't be done. <laughs> I, I love good. Ted Lasso. I'm not a you know. I love Ted Lasso, yeah. but like, there's something about the fact that this is so clearly premised as real world Ted Lasso. It's not. But it is though. It's fucking no, it's American not. guys by a fucking uh, English or Scottish or whatever football team. Yes, but but uh, a that's not the story of Ted Lasso. No, but and, it's an American guy who becomes the coach of an English football team. Yes, but but this isn't about them like, like oh football. So I mean, there is an aspect of like football so different, but it's more. It's very it, it, the documentary is really the history of this town of Wrexham, and it's very very interesting, and it's really well done. And Wales, like all of Wales, and but mainly Wrexham, and it's very interesting. There's a good. It's always sunny joke in Bros as well. Is there? Yeah. Okay. About Mac, about Mac coming out. Oh yeah, that was a good episode. And, and about how uh, uh, something like there are so many gay activists who never lived to see the day that a character on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia would come out of the closet. <laughs> it's like ouch, ouch, <laughs> ouch. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Before I spoil all the jokes and bros, should we uh, do trivia? I guess so. Okay, let's do it. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Are you sure? Okay. I could born ready, baby. Jan Rog, played by Jude Law, appears in which MCU film? Captain Marvel. Yeah. Which is the first MCU film which we see Jane Foster? Thor? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like a trick question. I was like, wait, <laughs> what? <laughs> Who plays Ant-Man in the MCU? Paul Rudd. It says Paul Rudd, but I feel like that's a bit of a trick question. They could have had two different answers there. Yeah, he could have, but yeah. everybody's going to say Paul Rudd. Yeah. Well, there you go. There's your three. All right. We did it. Are you ready to talk about the latest episode of She-Hulk? Yes. Let's do it.
She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, Season 1, Episode 7, The Retreat. Well, still no Daredevil. Nope. I have a new theory about Daredevil. What's your new theory about Daredevil? He's going to show up in Episode 9. He's going to show up at the end. I would kind of love that if they, like, announced Daredevil in the publicity, teased him in, like, Episode 4, and then held him back till Episode 9. I would absolutely fucking adore that. I'm pretty sure that's what's going to happen at this point. I mean, that's just so perverse, frankly. I guess, yeah. I guess crazy. Like, like he's going to show up to give her, you know, the the reassuring speech of like, hey, you can do good. You can be a hero. I maybe. Um, he said it was very funny, Charlie Cox. That it was yeah. a very funny experience, and he played a very different Daredevil. So. Maybe maybe he's part of the, uh, the incel guys. He's intelligence, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Matt Murdock would be a vol cell. Okay, yep, yep. Um, because that would be part of his Catholic guilt thing. He's a vol cell. Yeah. Voluntary celibate. Uh, so uh, maybe, but I, I you know, I, I really hope they wait until the last possible minute to put Daredevil on the show just so everybody's <laughs> super fucking annoyed. Because we're at a point now like where I just, I enjoy the the perversity of it. Yeah. Um, so Jen, (laughs) he's going to come do that flip that we see in the, in the trailer. He's going to land. He's going to go, it's me, Daredevil. And then the credits are going to roll. It's a me. It's a me. Where am I? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so Jen, uh, has, uh, a new romance going on. She's dating this guy, Josh, that she met at the wedding last week. Mm -hmm. And we get uh, a bunch of, uh, a montage of her dates, with Josh, the first date, the second date, the third date, they go do like fun things. And the first night she does, he doesn't want to kiss her at the door. Second night, she doesn't want to kiss him at the door, but then she reconsiders. But by the time she gets outside, he's already disappeared. And third night though, she brings him in and he spends the night. They have a great time. Like the, the montage is delightful. Um, she seems to be having the time of her fucking life. She wakes up the next morning. Um, and, and like well, during this, we see that she's like, kind of head over heels for him like she's like texting during meetings and stuff like that sending all kinds of goofy emojis to him um all very significant first early stages of romance stuff that she's got going on so they sleep together and then she wakes up the next morning and she's feeling pretty good and he's gone and she doesn't seem that weirded out by him being gone she texts him and says had a great night can't stop smiling and uh then he does not text her back Nope. And does not text her back and does not text her back. She keeps nope. texting him. Nope. She does not keep texting him. She only does one more text. She does like five texts. Are you no, there? No, she, t- she texts the can't stop smiling and then one after that. When she shows her phone to Nikki, she's got like 11 texts on it. That was them texting back and forth. I don't think so. I think she's good. She, she says at the retreat, she says this was the last text. Well, no, there's one more after that. And then she says what the last one was. All right. Maybe you're right. Uh, yeah. I'm going to give you this one. Uh, so she's, uh, she's at work. She's distracted. She can't, she can't concentrate because she's so kind of like churned up about this whole getting ghosted thing. Nikki is trying to, to cheer her up saying she has been nominated for female lawyer of the year, which is very funny. Yes. And, uh, uh, but it's not, it's not working. And it's uh, at first Nikki thinks it's because Jen is like deep into intelligentsia research but that is not the case she is just 
heart, feeling a little bit weird and maybe heartbroken. And Nikki says, you know what? The first 12 hours after you sleep with the guy for the first time, it's going to feel weird and strange. Don't worry about it. He might be busy. Like, just don't freak out. Saturday comes, uh, and once again, uh, no, no, nothing from him. Jen just stays in, at home and uh, watches the Great Muppet caper. Uh, and uh, she uh, she uh, is just waiting, and, and nothing nothing comes. Sunday, I've gone through a whole weekend now, and still no word from Josh, but she gets a phone call, and it is um, Emil Blonsky's parole officer. And he tells her that there has detected a problem with um, the uh, inhibitor on Blonsky. There's an alert on it. And they have to go check it out. But the thing is that he doesn't have backup. He can't get any uniforms to go with him right now. And he was kind of hoping that Jen would go uh, because it might be helpful to have a She-Hulk present should Emo Blonsky have returned to being the abomination. He doesn't want to face that all by himself, which I think makes perfect sense, frankly. Yeah, yeah. And as she says, um, she's she's his lawyer. Yes, she should be there anyway. Like it's it's yes. better for him if she's there um, while they're doing this investigation. So she goes and drives up. I'm gonna guess we have trying to figure this out. I'm gonna guess it's somewhere in the Malibu region. Okay. Um, she's lives on the west side. It seems to me. It seems like it's close enough that um, she says that she's wasting half a day on this. Wasted half a day to get up there, right? Well, I'm wasting half my Sunday on this is what she yeah. says. And so I think that she assumes that she's going to go right back. And so that means that like she wakes up, let's say 10 a.m., 9 a.m., and then she's home by 1. That's like half your Sunday, right? I guess. Yeah. I think that's probably around the Malibu region. Malibu is also where you would have all of like a lot of like retreat centers and sobriety joints. Like that's like yeah. a very common spot. Like at first I thought it might be Big Sur, like way more up the coast. But I'm going to think that it's Malibu. Yeah, Do you have any sense. insight into this, into the no. geography of California? No, I just like the dramatic music they play while she's driving and looking at her phone. Uh, I love that, and then uh, and then when she's uh, singing, I really loved uh, that. I thought that was really delightful. Uh, yeah. Intense road trip, singing to the worst song you know. Uh, you get, but you're really uh, throw, throwing yourself into it. It's weird. It shows difference in time because there was a period when we were younger, or at least when I was younger where it would have been like Wilson Phillips. But now we've moved it to, to Hanson. I find that interesting. Well, the Hanson thing is interesting because what Hanson represents in this case, so for Jen Walters, who is going to be an elder millennial, she would have been a young girl when Hanson was hot. So she probably would have been like 10 years old. So this is her childhood music that she's yeah. like uh, really enjoying. So it's not like that it's sappy or that it, it is bad. Right. But like the premise is that it's this bad music from her childhood. Yeah. So that's like sort of the, the thing that like she's throwing herself. Well, I mean, Wilson, I guess I haven't yeah. thought about Wilson Phillips in a decade. No, there you go. She gets to the retreat center, which is called um, summer's twilight. Summer Twilights. Summer Twilights. The S is in Twilights. It's not in summer. Yes. And uh, she drives in ahead of the parole officer. They get big in gate. there. What? It's a big gate. Yes, yeah, a big gate. It's a big, big yeah. gate. Big place. They, they get in there. It is a big place. It is a big spot that his soulmates uh, have got for him. Um, Who are missing, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so the fact, see them. 
so I wasn't sure if we were ever going to get more Blonsky after this, but I feel like the fact that we don't have the soulmates in this episode maybe indicates we get one more with him. Maybe. There's only two more there's episodes only two, Yeah, there's only two left, so I don't know how much time we got. I don't know. And I've heard... I've heard don't expect to see Tim Roth back. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, like after this, so I don't yeah. know. Not like, a, that's not like a spoiler. Yeah. I've just heard like that, that, that it's done. Um, but uh, they, they get in there. Jen starts honking her horn. She just wants Blonsky to come out. Uh, Chuck, the uh, parole officer is very, very terrified, but it's all fine. Um, it's just, there was some short circuit because um, email Blonsky got electric, uh, got electrocuted in an electric fence while chasing um, his favorite chicken, Miss Princess Silkfeather. Yes. Uh, this moment has my favorite joke in the episode, which is what is that as the, the parole officer is checking the, the device and Emil's got his leg up on him and he's like massaging the patrol officer's knee with his foot. <laughs> it was just real funny and uncomfortable. <laughs> it's like, that seems horribly uncomfortable. I love it. <laughs> um, so it's all okay. It was, that was the, that was it. It was just the short circuit caused by the electric fence. Everything's fine. Um, so the parole officer goes back home and Jen is going to go back home. But when she gets out to her car, she discovers that there are two super people having a brawl. Yeah. Um, El Aguila and Manbull. Yes. Um, both of these guys are real. These are yes. real characters from the Marvel comics. Yes. They are both intense D-listers. Yeah. In fact, they're the kind of characters that Wizard Magazine once would have called the Mort of the Month. These are the kind of characters that the Scourge was created to kill off. <laughs> yeah, this really, they really are. Yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, El Aguila is a real character. He's a mutant in the comics. Oh, and um, he also was um, depowered uh, on the M-Day event. Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he got his powers back after that. I honestly don't know. Um, but uh, he has not shown up a bunch in the comics in a very long time. He showed up in a – he was introduced in Power Man and Iron Fist back in 1979. Okay. Um, he's obviously like a, um, a Zorro – takeoff that's like what they're obviously going for with this character and in the show though he has to keep assuring people that he is not a matador <laughs> yes because uh, he does look a lot like a matador and he's uh he's he's wrestling with a guy named man bowl yes who gives his origin in the episode yeah it's um essentially it is the origin in the comics he's the is it's um experimentation Yep. Uh, which is essentially what his origin is. And uh, in, in in the comics, he's a criminal who undergoes injections to become a better criminal. Um, he's a daredevil villain. And okay. um, he, uh, he a real guy, again, um, his, what's incredible, so like back in the day, right? And he's appeared like actually a number of times. He's appeared in like 50 or so comics. Um, but back in the day, when you were making a character like Man Bull, you had to give him a name, right? So like yep. what they named him, his real name is William Torrens. T-A-U-R-E-N-S. 
So it's like it's like it's like a minotaur. It's 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 all these things they're just putting into the real guy's name. Um, He was known as Bull Taurus, in fact, uh, (laughs) in his criminal career, and that's why he became a mammal. In the comics, he's got he's got like a real bullhead though. Yeah. Uh, Here he's just here he just looks like kind of like a Viking cosplayer with horns. Yes, and like a weird nose. Um. Uh, for a minute, Mambol thought he was the actual Minotaur, by the way. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he goes uh, confused and thought that he had become the real, the, real, um, the real Minotaur. Um, and so they have a fight uh, outside her car, and uh, it is the ancient battle between Minotaur, uh, between Bull and Matador. And uh, it ends up but with... But he's not a Matador. That would be too on the nose. As they two, on the, two on the nose, not a Matador. Yeah. Uh, he may have been a matador, but he's well, not. Well, he says later that he did some matador in, in college. <laughs> uh, and Jen's car gets wrecked uh, in the process. And so she's very upset. She's going to have to spend some time at the retreat center until the tow truck can come. So she's now trapped with these clowns. And so Blonsky takes her on a tour of the retreat center. And all that she wants to do is get some reception. Turns out that wherever they are in, in the hills, there's no reception. Yeah. And no in fact, phone. that was on purpose. He says that's like the thing. He's like, we also have no Wi-Fi. Like, we just don't do it. We want no outside distractions. This is a place for healing. And we don't want any of that stuff. Um, when they're fighting, Blonsky explains to Jen that these guys are just working through some things. So that's like sort of like we're getting the vibe of what this place is, which is seems like a supervillain rehab. Yes, I would think Spiritual so. rehab, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So they make it to the, yeah, the sweat yurt and, uh, she doesn't want to go into the sweat yurt. Um, she's still trying to find reception. Um, Blonsky to his credit realizes she's just not interested in his shit. Like just not at all interested. So he goes, you know what? I'm going to respect that. I'm going to let you do your own thing. Uh, you know, I'll see you when the tow truck gets here. And so she wanders around on her own for a minute. We do some nice stuff here with the no cell service. Yes. uh, uh, Miss Marvel feeling to it. Yeah, I mean, I we've talked about this before in other shows, but like, I think I like when filmmakers get creative with doing cell phone stuff. Yeah, because cell phones are so much a part of our lives, but they're so inherently non cinematic. Yeah, that creating like the big text that's floating the in big the air, no service following her. Yeah, yeah, that has a cinematic feel to it that just sort of her looking at her phone doesn't have, right? Yeah, I agree. And I'm assuming it's cheap as shit to make. I mean, I think I would think expensive, so. right? Yeah. Especially like there was nothing. It was one font. It was like one image, and it just—I can't imagine it's hard to do. So she's wandering around looking for reception, and she comes across a uh, a building that she goes into, and she gets some reception in there. But it turns out that the building is kind of a meeting hall, and Blonsky and his supervillains are having an encounter circle. Yes, and. Uh, they invite her to join. And the characters that we have there, we have uh, El Aguila and Mambo, but we also have Porcupine. Yes. Another real Marvel super character yeah. um, who has been around for a gajillion years. Yeah, he's um, He is like really old school. And um, like he first appeared in 1963. He's like an ancient fucking Thor villain, I think. He's like, because he's yeah. It's the early, the beginnings of Marmor right there. Yeah, and uh, he is truly a dorky character because he's a guy that runs around in a big suit that looks like, it looks like he's in the comics, like he's covered in hay. Yeah. 
That's and what the character the show, is. He is, in fact, covered in hay in the show. Yeah, he's supposed to be porcupine, but it is just truly a stupid fucking costume. Yep. I mean, again, this is one of those more of the months from Wizard Magazine. This is just definitely yep. a character who does is useless. Like the idea that like, oh no, he fought Ant Man. That's who he started with. Okay. Um, uh, that makes more sense than 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 Thor. Um, the idea that like he he would ever be a, a problem for a Marvel character. If he's like, he, I'm not even sure he'd be a problem for me. <laughs> it's crazy uh on the show porcupine uh big guy in this big suit he won't take off the suit won't take it off no. and this is his his way of protecting himself yes then there's another guy in the circle uh saracen yes another real character very different the, the most obscure out of all of the characters here, he is not the Punisher villain. I think a lot of people thought he's the Punisher villain. I thought he was the Punisher villain. He's not. There's a character from Blade, the 1999 run of Blade. Also named and, Saracen? Yeah, also named Saracen who's oh, a vampire. Wow. And okay. he lives in the he lives underneath the Vatican. Actually, that's actually super fucking cool. That is cool. <laughs> it's like, it's like, <laughs> like a vampire who lives under the Vatican. Like that kind of fucking rules. So um, this version is not that. And uh, I don't this know version, enough. They suggest that he is not actually a vampire. Yeah, it's like unclear. I think it's interesting because they brought in this character. They say he's a vampire. It's pretty clear. He stands out in the sun. He's out in the sun. Uh, it's not. I feel like She-Hulk doesn't want to be the first place that a vampire shows up in Marvel, nope, I guess. Apparently right? not. <laughs> I mean, I think that makes a lot. Of, he might be a vampire, though. There's no telling. I mean, like Marvel, there's different kinds of vampires with different abilities and different weaknesses oh i know i just watched daylight or uh day ships i know all about it oh there you go um so who knows but he does not seem to be he has sort of the least to do in this episode out of the um out of all of the uh the super villains he appears also have daddy issues Um, yes he's very cool looking though he is yeah I, i like his uh i don't know if it was part of his shirt or if it was like some kind of big necklace thing but whatever was on his chest i liked so they're having this encounter session and um, they're trying to convince Porcupine to take off his suit and, 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 and sort of like open up, you know, sort of become vulnerable. And they, they, they don't, they don't want to do that. Um, and uh, uh, Manbull and El, El, El Iguala, El, El, El Aguila, sorry. They, uh, they have a weird relationship. Codependent. Codependent, crazy Crazy codependent. Yes. They just, um, they don't even want to sit away from each other in the circle. Like it is like upsetting to them to be broken up. And I like that they don't play this as like a gay panic thing. They do a little bit. You think so? They say, what are you guys married now? I feel like, yeah, I mean a little, I don't know. I think that, I don't know. I think that are you, what are you married or if you like it so much, marry it. I don't know if that's like such a, I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like not too long ago that would have been taken as like a homophobic joke and maybe not today. I don't know. It is weird though to kind of figure out like what, like if just the, I'm acknowledge- too old to figure it out. <laughs> like I just don't make any of the jokes. Anymore. Also, it's not my community to make statements. Yeah, for, it's, so. I, I Who am I to say? Who am I to, to judge? I don't know. I, I don't so, know what is okay and what is not. I just hope I'm. I don't upset anybody. That's my goal. Uh, they're talking about their feelings, 
how vulnerable they are. And then the door opens up and a new member of the group comes in. He's late. He's been in the sweat yurt. He got a great sweat. He, in fact, encountered um, some feminine energy in there and may have talked to his grandmother. Yes. Uh, and Jen immediately recognizes him. And she has to break the fourth wall because she says, do you recognize this guy? Did they put him in the previously on? And she goes, no, forget it. I'm going to do a previously on with this guy right now, <laughs> uh, which I thought was really great. I really love that. That was funny. And he is, in fact, uh, one of the Wrecking Crew. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if the Wrecking Crew guys are the Wrecking Crew guys. Like, in the comics, this is Wrecker. I don't know if he's Wrecker or not. Like, I don't really know. Does it I matter? I don't think they give him a name, do they? They've never given him a name. Um but he, uh, you know, so she throws him across the room and she's going to beat the shit out of him. And um, he says, you know, they, they 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 convince her to take a seat in the circle and to talk it out with this guy who well, attacked her. upset because she knocked over the chairs that he set up. So, okay. Here's the thing that's very funny is that, so uh, anybody who's been listening to these podcasts know I'm in recovery. I've been in recovery for a few years now. And uh, when you go to meetings, uh, like you go to meetings in like church basements, you go to meetings in like church um, rec rooms, meeting rooms, you go to like like weird spaces like that, like they have the meetings in. And they are always spaces that have folding chairs. And the... Um, it's always somebody's job to put the folding chairs out and somebody else's job to put the folding chairs up and kind of the fold, putting the folding chairs up is like one of the primo jobs because you get to be really involved, but also you get to hang out and talk to everybody. So it's like one of those like very special feeling jobs as a result. And, uh, people I know who do the chairs sometimes take like a lot of pride in it. And so watching him get mad about his chair stacking being fucked up, like I've been there, like I have seen that happen in recovery meetings. So I was tickled pink by that. And I don't know if that was like a joke from somebody who's been to meetings either of recovery or other encounter groups. Because I imagine it's the same thing wherever they do meetings where people do folding chairs. Yeah. Because the folding chair guy is the guy who hangs out and like comes around and gets to interact with everybody and has a position of some authority. Um, It's like kind of a really cool position to be in. Um, And uh, I can say from my days of running video game tournaments where we had many folding chairs. And at the end of the night, had to, I had to stack them up. It was a great feeling when I stacked them up and they were like perfect. I was like, oh, I did a great job. Yeah, it's also really satisfying to do it well. Yeah. 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 Oh, they look clean. They look – it's a straight line. It looks nice. Yeah. Yeah. And like, also, yeah. like if somebody's doing chair duty and they do a shitty job, they do a half-ass job, it kind of feels bad. Yeah. And uh, I just thought that was – I was really charmed by that. Yeah. So um, she sits down uh, – uh, to uh, they first they threaten to put her in the calming chair, yes. uh, but she avoids the calming chair and she sits down in the circle, and she has a moment with Wrecker. Wrecker talks about he apologizes. He says, "I take radical accountability for my actions." Um, he, uh, you know, he he d- does the whole thing where he's like, "You know what? I did a wrong thing. I'm I'm very sorry." And then, but they talk about like you know, you, yet you chose violence here, and they start to get to Jen a little bit. And they, the, the, the group begins to realize that she's upset about something and they begin to drill down on it and they get to the root of it, that there's this guy, Josh, who's ghosted her and, uh, she reads them her texts. They're horrified by what she has texted to him. Uh, and, 
you know, things are, things are pretty hard. Uh, and then Jen has this big breakthrough where she says, you know, when you're in high school and there's like the cool girl and she gets all the attention and you think, boy, wouldn't life be so much better if I was that cool girl? And the thing is that it actually is not easier. And Jen turns into She-Hulk and becomes that cool girl. But as Jen, she still does not get the attention. And as She-Hulk, it's not necessarily the attention that she wants. So it's not satisfying on kind of either end. And um, the thing is that she knows that like Jen is great. And would people like Jen if there was no She-Hulk? And it sort of has created within her this crisis of confidence. And um, she says, you know, Josh liked Jen. Like I've had this problem with dating where like guys like She-Hulk, but they didn't like Jen and Josh liked Jen. And yep. now he's disappeared. This, this is enough for the boys. Porcupine says, where's he living? I'm going to kill him. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, uh, so uh, Saracen recommends uh, uh, draining uh, his drinking blood. his blood, draining his yeah. blood. Um, and they all talk about the idea of how much rejection hurts. And uh, the, the understanding though is that maybe this hurts so badly because Jen has not been spending time with Jen. She-Hulk has really taken over her life. And so she hasn't tended to Jen. She's almost rejected Jen herself. And Bamble says, maybe there's a group of guys who'd love to spend time with Jen right now. <laughs> and she changes back into Jen. And everybody's happy and applauds. And then this is a breakthrough moment for Porcupine. He pulls off his mask. And it's stinky. It's stinky. Everybody is horrified. At first, when they gagged, I said, oh, no, they're making an ugly joke. Yes. But no, it's just that he's not taken off this costume in months or years, and so yeah. therefore it is just a stench coming out of it. Yeah. Um, so uh, they uh, they convince her that she has to delete Josh's, Josh's number. That That's the only way she can begin to move forward is to delete Josh's number. She does, and it feels great. And she decides that she's hurting for a yurtin. Yeah. So she goes to the sweat yurt, comes out. Everybody's waiting outside. There's a moment where they're all waiting outside. And I'm like, oh, no, this is going to be the moment like where it's revealed. They're all really still villains. And she comes out and she's like, it was great. And they all start cheering and like yes. jumping up and down. And <laughs> it was like, oh, no, they're, they're not villains. They're they're sweet dopes. And uh, finally, the um, tow truck comes. Did you notice the Easter egg on the tow truck? Dan Slot. Yeah, Dan Slot. Slot Slot towing and the driver is named Dan. Dan yep. Slot, of course, did a long She Hulk run in the Marvel Two Comics. Runs. He's a writer. Two runs. Did, yeah. Part of that whole thing that Marvel likes to do where they just cancel a series and then the next month the first issue of a new series of the same there character comes out. And it's the same writer and same artist. And you're like, why'd you cancel it? Um number one sell better. And uh what we see now is that they have made her a, a going away card. Yes. And they've all signed it. It's very sweet. And email says it's from the whole gang, but please make sure the parole officer knows it's not a real gang. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, you can come up here anytime you want. Like you're always welcome here with us. And she says, well, you know what? I'll come back when you get Wi-Fi." They drive. She drives back to LA with the tow truck. And uh, it seems like she's really, feeling good like she's really had a moment and she's has some peace and clarity right now um which is not which is something she's not been able to have for quite a while the thing is the show then does a flashback to three days earlier yeah. the night of their last date and we see josh getting up in the middle of the night while she's sleeping 
And we see that he puts his phone on her phone and copies the uh, contents of her phone. And then he takes a picture of her naked in bed yep. and sends it to Hulk King. Yep. And that's the end of the episode where we discover that Josh actually is a villain. Yes. What do you think of this one? Eh. Eh. I felt last week we, we had said that it felt like they had two stories and not enough time for either of them. Yeah. This one, I felt like they had one story and too much time for it. <laughs> like they could have tossed in a second story. Like this felt like they kind of were stretching things out longer than maybe they should have been. I think in the first half, I agree. I think once she gets to the encounter group, I think like, yes, one, the encounter group, it works, but the first half, it just keeps going. And it was like, okay. I think they make okay. a, a mistake that happens a lot. There's like two ways to make this mistake. One way is to have Jen Walters not resist being involved enough. And one way is to have her resist a little too much. So it feels like wheel spinning. Yes. And they, they erred on the side of her resisting a little too much. And it felt yeah. a little bit like wheel spinning. Yeah. Um, there's just like a lot of scenes of her being like, no, I just want to look for my phone. And uh, it's like a, Maybe more than more than enough of that. The thing is that these characters are great. They're yeah, all they're delightful. Fun. And they're so they fun. could have filled more time with these characters. They could have filled more time with them. I did expect when she was like, I'm going to go in the yurt. I was expecting some kind of uh, uh, scene in there where maybe she talks to herself. You know, like she talks right. to She-Hulk. That would be uh, maybe a little on the nose, but also I think I would have liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Or they could have gone full fourth wall, John Byrne with it and had her talk to the show creator. That would have been actually great. Yeah. That would have been a really good setup for it too. Her and the sweat lodge would have been a really good setup for it. Yeah. Um, that would have been delightful. What actually would have been funny is if they had cast somebody else as the show creator. Yes. Uh, they did on a supernatural. Yeah, like uh, they just cast somebody like super hot and cool and uh, like a really incredible like uh, a guest star comes in yeah. and it's the show. Or, or you have it be instead of show creator since that name is not as well known, Jessica uh, Chow's name is not as well known. You have it be like Kevin Feige, but you get like like some model looking guy like uh, Ashton Kutcher <laughs> plays Kevin Feige, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I I really I did enjoy the episode though. It does feel a little you're right. The first half especially feels like it's taking a little bit too much time. Um from her getting ghosted to her sitting down in the encounter group, it just takes too long. Yeah. yeah. Um and for for no for no good reason. Um no. but one of the things about this show is that even when it's taking too long, because I really enjoy every single actor on the show, it's not painful. No, it's not painful. It, it, it wasn't like, oh my God. But it was a thing where it's like, I I kind of wish there was some more info. Like maybe Nikki's looking into the intelligentsia or like something else happening, you know? We could have cut away from her searching for service to something yeah. else and then come back, you know? Well, but, the th- right. The thing is that there's not like a lot, there's like the whole section where there's not, not a lot of jokes. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it feel particularly a little um, draggy because there's not a lot of plot movement. It's just about Jen resisting getting involved, but also there aren't many jokes in that section either. So they're like little like smirk lines, like when they walk past princess silk feather and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's not funny. Like it's like, no, 
it's charming you know but like it's not funny um so this episode could have definitely stood for a joke punch up especially in that like seven minute period yeah um but uh what i really liked coming into this episode and coming into this concept was that you saw your future was that i was very concerned that the show was going to take a very easy route and make this just be villain stuff yes and I like that the show not only recognized that these guys are trying to be better, but also gave Jen an actual breakthrough that yeah. really matters. Yeah. And by the end of the episode, the guys had not proven themselves to be villains. They did not show up in a villainous way. Um, the show found things to be silly and goofy about this kind of an environment, but it was not. But it didn't saying, make fun of it. Well, a little bit did. Yeah. But like, I mean, not like, a little bit, but not like. It made fun of Blonsky. It didn't make fun of the concept. You know? Yeah. Like Blonsky is doing it in a goofy way. Well, it's all goofy. Right. I mean, like it's, yeah. it's taking everything goofy, but the, I, what I like is that it's cause this shit is goofy, you know? And I think there's no way to be involved in self-help stuff and not realize how fundamentally goofy it is. Yeah. Uh, you ha- like that's like a big barrier of entry is like recognizing how cringy so much of this shit is. And however it works. So that's, I think, what I liked about the episode was that it did both those things. It was like, this shit's cringy and silly, but also it works. Like, it really can work. Like, sitting – something as simple as sitting in a room with a bunch of other people who are there to support you emotionally and talking about your problems can actually really be meaningful. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like it should be. Like, when I got into recovery and then I got into spirituality – I – as you will well know, before that I was not that kind of person. Just – I mean, like, I think nobody would have ever imagined that I would be the kind of person that would go to meditation retreats in the desert, right? And um, yet I I have done that. And it was a big barrier to entry to me. I was very nervous about it. But once I let myself go and be in the moment with it and and, and accept that this shit is silly as hell, and if I try to explain this to anybody, it's, I'm going to look stupid. Yeah. I found, wow, this is actually very helpful to me. Like, this is actually making a difference in my life. And so the fact that the episode did both those things, acknowledged how silly it is, and also acknowledged that it is helpful. Like, it's not like a scam. It's not bullshit. It's not like somebody selling like stupid I do think Blonsky's a little scammy. I do. I do think Blonsky's being a little – because he he even says like, you know, this is for our Diamond Plus members at one point. So he's got stages of like payments. It's funny, right? So like the thing about this stuff is that it – it all exists on this weird knife's edge of um, legitimate and scammy. Yeah. Because the thing is that all of this stuff costs money. Sure, and of I course. He's got to like, keep that place going. It's huge. Right. And so it costs money. And, um, you know, I've gone on retreats and stuff like that. And I've had to pay money. I've actually go, I've also, but I've also gone on retreats where I've gotten scholarships because I was okay. so poor. They allowed yeah. me to pay a reduced rate. But some people pay a lot more. And, um, I am going to guess that probably that there are, obviously this is me doing headcanon shit, but I'm going to guess that somebody like Saracen or Manbull doesn't have a ton of fucking money, but yeah. that the platinum people are the ones who subsidize the place to the extent that a guy like Manbull can be there. Sure. And that's how it is in a lot of these places in general. Now that's not always okay. the case. And a number of them are really just geared towards making money and yeah. that's, you know, not unusual. Um, and also we live in a capitalist society, so there's a really uncomfortable relationship between the need to make a living in a capitalist society and also do this stuff. 
Yeah. And, you know, uh, a lot of the people that do these things have not taken on monkish lives, which they probably should, frankly, but I also understand why they don't. And um, so there's like a little bit of a tension there, right? Like how much money should you make being a spiritual teacher? Uh, you know, you ask the Buddha, nothing. You should make no money. But it's America and it's the 21st century. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, the Buddha didn't pay five bucks for coffee. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I don't know. Like it's, it's a very fascinating issue, right? I mean, and I think the show does it all justice, I think. I don't think that it's – it's 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 not dismissive, which is what I was super worried about, and yeah. I was super worried that it was just going to be all a big reversal. And look at this—he's a super villain after all. I'm still concerned about that. I am still worried about that, but we'll see. I, I am d- actually—I I do honestly think that this is your future—is you running a place like that? I would not mind that, uh, yeah. especially if I had super villains hanging super around. Villains. But even down to like—I don't know if you saw the posters on the walls. Oh yeah where it's all quotes from Blonsky, but they're all like the most basic quotes that everyone knows, but he's taking credit for them. I like that. Unbelievable. That that's what makes you think of me. Yeah. Horrible. <laughs> Probably because over the years I've seen you take things I've said to you and verbatim put them into something you've written and people are like, that's a great idea, Devin. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> so <laughs> Good artists borrow. Great artists. Great artists steal. steal. Yes. So I know. that's, that's yes. the thing. Uh, but, uh, but my theory is that these guys will show up again and that they're going to help Jen deal with intelligentsia. Uh, I, I hope so. Otherwise this episode feels very, even more one-offish than the last episode. Well, this episode episode is very character important. This is very Jen character important. So I'm not saying nothing happened in this episode, but like the overall plot of the season did not really move forward i don't think right uh well a little bit because the josh stuff actually is pretty important yeah but that was two minutes of the episode right like but but still like it is stuff did move and and so the wedding episode ended up being important too because she met josh there right so like these are the like the little landmarks that happen in these episodes but i would not be surprised the thing one of the things about this show so far and i'm not trying to be an incel here is that all of the men that jen deals with suck except for pug yep and it would be nice if guys, if the in the end of this show, the guys who used to suck actually end up being good dudes. I agree. I agree. That would be like fun. I think that'd be fun. That'd be nice. I think that would have a lot to say uh, about like redemption and moving forward. Um, you know, I think it would be really interesting. And I think uh, like I was a little bit like I was like slightly disappointed that Josh was a bad guy. Yeah, it was a bit of a bummer. Not just because like I'm sad that she had this guy that she liked, but also because we've done a couple of the guys that she dates are bad. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I get it. Like I'm not, and I'm not against the premise. It's just like, okay, we get it. Like, could this have been a guy that she had dated earlier? Could we have not, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, in terms of storytelling. So it would be though a nice reversal if some of these dudes ended up being good guys, despite being super villains. Yeah, I agree. And the show has gone out of its way not to tell us what any of these supervillains did, by the way. So who yeah. knows? Like, they might be very low-level just bank-robbing supervillains. Um, that's what I would imagine. Yeah. Diamond so. heists. Yeah, exactly. I would like to point out that uh, aside from Hawkeye, She-Hulk has had more sex than any other character in the MCU. So good for her? Uh, no. Yeah. What are you talking about? No. Tony Stark uh, is up there. Tony Stark has two two women, right? 
And Jen has two. Okay, yeah. So I guess, okay. She's tied with Tony. Hawkeye takes the lead for most times having sex. Hawkeye, well, no. He's got three kids. He's definitively had sex at least three times. We know that for sure. But he's only had sex with one person. (laughs) But we know at least three times. Everyone else we only know once. We don't know that. They could have been um, surrogate kids. They could have been, uh, they could have gotten sperm donors. I suppose. Uh, you know, uh, Clint Barton in the kind of in kind of work environment where it's very possible he might have sustained some injuries to his parts that, you know, have made him uh, sterile. Maybe. Maybe not not unusual, not not impossible to imagine. Um, so uh, I don't know, maybe, but we as far as actual body count, Jen is now tied with Tony Stark. Tony Stark. Do you think they're going to have her? And I guess Captain America, right? No, Captain America has nobody. No, we know that he got laid during World War II. We found that out in this show. Okay, but that's it, though. And that's not even. Then he goes back in time and he hangs out with Peggy. But we don't know what happens. I, I would imagine over fifty years. I would also imagine, but I don't. (laughs) I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. but even the information oh, given to us in the Scott who? Scott Lang. He's got one. No, he's got two. Mm. He's got his ex-wife, who he has a kid with. And he's got, uh, what's her name? Wasp. Yeah, I guess you're right. I don't like using children as the barometer. I feel like <laughs> I mean, that's, that's how children come into being. I understand that. I do understand that. I do, biologically. I just mean like in terms of like, Characters who bone as part of their stories as opposed to have at some point in history boned. Okay. That feels like a different thing to me. Like when Tony Stark sleeps with the reporter and then Pepper, like that has story stuff in it and character stuff. Um, Scott Lang having an ex, I guess, has character stuff, but like, I don't know. It doesn't feel the same to me. Okay. So... Uh, Bruce Banner, though, may very well be a virgin. No, no, we don't. Well, we don't know. In uh, the Ed Norton Hulk, um, they, they start fooling around. Yeah. And they stop because he, he says, I, I, I can't get too excited. Yeah. So he's possibly a virgin. Thor, I guess we assume. I mean, Thor and Jane live together, so it's. Under the assumption, yeah, yeah, but that's no guarantee. But however, yeah. like you, like what, what I really want to see is I want to see people in bed together. We see Thor and Jane in bed together. Do we? Yeah, in the in, in the court Love flashback stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um. Well, then there you go. But that's still one. I mean, he definitely was with Sif, but I don't think we've ever seen them like be together. No. So I think that's like one of the problems. Um, Black Widow. Who does she got? Uh, nobody. She got nobody count. She tried for Bruce. That didn't work out. She kind of tried for Steve. That didn't work out. She might have. I, I don't really know what the extent of her relationship with Bruce was. I think in Age of Ultron, it's clear that they did not get together. Okay. I mean, that seems reasonable. To or me. she come, He comes out of the shower. Or she, I forgot who comes out of the shower, but then they have that discussion where he's like, I'm a monster. And she's like, I'm a monster too. And they're like, okay. And then that's the end of that. And then he goes off to space. Yeah, the Marvel Universe largely sexless, except for Jen Walters and Tony yeah. Stark. Yep. And Tony Stark's dead, so. There you go. Pretty crazy. 
It's all up to Jen. And then we could have had Winter Soldier, but he walked out in the middle of a game. <laughs> well, I can't remember what they were playing. Were they playing uh, Battleship? What were they playing? I can't remember. Playing Battleship, yeah. 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 So there you go. <laughs> Way to go, Winter Soldier. You know, in the comics, he was with Black Widow for a minute. That's actually a, a relationship I wish they had been able to pull off in the movies. Yep. Daredevil 2 was with Black Widow for a while, right? Yeah, he was with Black yeah. Widow very seriously for a while. Yeah. Um, Daredevil in the comics is one of the guys who's boned the most. Yes, he gets around. Daredevil as a guilty Catholic has really gotten around, like yes. kind of ludicrously a lot. Yeah. He's kind of whore. He's kind of like a whore. He's like a slut. Yeah. Matt, Matt Murdock's yeah. slut. Yeah. Um, that's actually the title of the new Daredevil. <laughs> Matt Murdock's slut. <laughs> Matt Murdock bones again. All right, <laughs> and that's enough for this episode. Uh, you, got last, you got any last thing to say? Uh, I'm very interested to see how they're going to, if they're even going to tie this up in two episodes, or if they are plotting this out as multiple seasons, because we don't know. I we think they're going to wrap this up in two episodes. I think the show can easily wrap this up in a half hour. I, I, I don't think we need to even, we, I think they could do it in one episode, frankly. I mean, we have not met the intelligentsia. We don't know who Hulk King is. I mean, Hulk we King do. is that guy that she yeah, dated. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we know it's that guy, but yeah. we have not met him, you know. He's All not the, been revealed. So the thing is that uh, Josh got her blood, which is wild, because I really do not know how. Yeah, that, I'm that wondering off. if I pulled that off. Uh, like, I thought he was like, I got her DNA, which is, like, different. But, like, yeah. her blood, that's intense and i don't know how she didn't notice that like he would have uh, had to in theory she's asleep and he injects her right he takes he would thing. have to take take it with it yeah and give her a shot and and draw blood yeah. um which seems like it might wake her up i would i would think so but i wouldn't i know you had the theory that also her hulk powers would just protect her anyway yes well that's because that's what the the show told us I know what I'm just saying. Like, so like t potentially sh he shouldn't even have been able to do it anyway, but it's still pretty wild that he got her blood. I don't know how he did it. Um, Maybe she's but, real drunk. Uh, but like, knows that she has trouble turning when she's drunk. I'm assuming that the guy Hulk King is going to turn into a Hulk. Yeah. This is my assumption. Yeah. That because she has to have a physical threat at the end, right? I would think so. Um, and Titania still needs to get wrapped up too. I think Titania is wrapped up. You think so? I think as wrapped up as it's going to be. I think the stuff at the wedding was the wrap up of Titania. That's you my know what I like? I like that there's enough of a looseness to this show that you could be right, and I don't mind. No, it leaves her open to come back if there is another season, right? Like, right. right. Yeah. So I, I, I have no problem with that. That's very comic booky, where it's they fight and she runs off, goes, "I'll get you another day." Yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah. and I also just don't need this storyline to be that tight, like in terms yeah. of like what the show is. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, no, I got no problem with Titania. I, I mean, if Titania shows up again, great. I think she's fantastic, but I also don't mind if she doesn't. I'm not going to feel like, what happened? You didn't finish that. We will be back again next week with the next episode of She-Hulk, the penultimate episode of She-Hulk. Until then, Derek, where can they find you on the internet? They can find me on Twitter at WH underscore Woolhat. You can find me on Twitter at DevonCF. We'll see you again next week. Until then, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be safe, may you be well, but most of all, may you remain a true believer. Mm -hmm.